tyranny was broken by the sins of the father, and his shepherds finally ceased to roam, seeking instead the simple peace found in the comfort of heart and home. All eyes now turn to his heir and son, who forged their home with his power. Will he be strong enough to lead them in this, their darkest hour? Welcome back to Lost Tribe, Darkest Hour. As always, I am the author and your humble narrator, Peter Ivey. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow and subscribe to help me keep bringing this story to you. Thank you for listening, and let's begin. Chapter 16 We flew through the jungle, following the dark river. Many of the trees seemed to have been cleared along the path of the river as we moved on. Some were uprooted, while others were more stumps. I slowed down to look at them and realized they were literally ripped and clawed off at nearly ground level. Something massive, bigger than any crash, had leveled this place. My concern increased as we drew closer. I landed on the jungle floor and kept running along beside the river. Julia looked down at me and shook her head. No way am I setting foot anywhere near that. I had my fill of being pumped full of it by Manon. I tried not to say anything. Sometimes it was better not to make the joke. So, you could say that he really filled you up then? Well, then again. Are you making a sex joke? Really? I, I guess I am. Mick, what would your humble followers say? Little do they know what kind of a dirty mind the patron has. Ah, uh, shut up. Uh, this is a serious mission. Oh, yes, sir. Oh, hold up. Julie was flying headlong into someone's sick idea of decorating. She collided with the first hanging corpse, barreling through it as it swayed with the breeze. She recoiled, grabbing at her hair as if it had contaminated her. Oh, gods! She cried out pulling something rather putrid-looking off of her arm. The lower branches all along the path of the river were burdened by the corpses of the locals. Men, women, and children hung there, butchered and silent in the semi-gloom of the jungle. Their faces were all the same, frozen in a gaping expression of terror for something that seemed to have hollowed their cheeks and withered their bodies. As I looked closer, I saw savage biting wounds in them as well. There were dozens all those who couldn't escape the crush. Or or maybe they were just hunted down by whatever controlled the darkness. A sickening feeling came over me as I looked upon them and considered how they died. It can't be. Not after all this time. Julia settled onto the ground and put her hand on my shoulder. I know what you're thinking, but he's dead, Mick. Before I was taken down under that pile of freaks, I watched that wraith creature eat Nicholas whole, and then it came back for Falkir. It wrapped itself around him, and he started struggling. I nodded and took off, following the trail again. I kept on looking up at the trees, remembering the first time that he and I had met. I really hoped that this wasn't him. The person who did this is going to feel my blade in their heart. I said to myself, looking up at the faces of the people I vowed to protect. Before long, the bodies really started to pile up, 
There were entire villages of people hanging there. This was a murder. It was genocide, pure and simple. It got even darker as we moved to a break in the trees. The darkness was flowing thicker here, and it looked like it dropped down into some kind of depression ahead. Julie was now looking at the trees with the same expression of concern that I was. Through there, what is it? I don't know, but I'm going inside, whatever it is. Your position sucks sometimes, Mick. I gave her a sideways smile. Oh, it's all about the perks, Julia. Cover me, will you? I moved forward to the edge. With what? I stopped and looked back. I mean, watch and make sure nothing tries to eat me, and if it does, you know, warn me and move in to stop it, okay? I know that. I'm just messing with you. That was weird. A lot of things I could get used to, but Julia, with a sense of humor, really wasn't one of them. She was definitely different from the person I knew before. Right, I said, turning back. I ducked down and straddled the dark river, making sure not to touch any of it with part of my body. I kept Hearthblade held out in front of me as I crawled down inside. As I descended into the darkness, I could hear the dripping of something farther down ahead of me, and it was much warmer in here. Chapter 17 I had a moment of a strange fear as I stepped slowly down into the hole. The slope in the path led into darkness, a perfect place for the darkness to be seeking after. I had the sense that I had intruded into something, the territory of something really alien. There was a presence here, of that I was sure. Something that made me feel that with every step the ground could slide away from me, with no warning. I'd never felt like this on any world, My blade seemed to sense it, too, as the light from it became dimmer as I made my way in. There was a long, tall tunnel along which the river flowed. I could stand inside it now. The walls were made of earth, the roots sticking out here and there. I gently brushed them aside as I moved forward. Drips of moisture fell from the top of the tunnel, and I pulled my hood over, as if even the water would befoul me. I heard a sound from behind me. I spun around, bringing the blade to bear. Julia's grinning face appeared in the dim light as I held my blade out. Damn it, Julia! I could have killed you! You told me to cover you. This is me covering you. This isn't a joke. I get you, Mick. I understand. But call me Jules from now on. This whole Julia thing makes me sound old. What? I'm not the woman I was, Mick. Not that you notice. Can we possibly talk about this later when we're not in the lair of whatever the hell this thing is? Of course, she replied, winking at me. (sighs) Oh well, I might need her help in here anyway. My agitation with her was starting to bleed over into a general feeling of great unease. I just wanted out of here. I shook my head, took a deep breath, and I kept going. The river was starting to thin out, nearly a trickle as I got closer. The tunnel ended up ahead. The change in the air told me before the illumination showed the rim of the tunnel end. I felt cold air trickle through from beyond the rim of the tunnel, and could see details of an open chamber. I turned and took Julia's hand. I looked at her in the eyes as I motioned for her to follow me and getting down low. 
She looked at me with a question forming on her face, but I put a finger to my lips and pointed ahead. I sheathed Hearthblade and crept forward on my knees and elbows. When I got close enough, I carefully peeked over the edge. Oof! I immediately dropped back down, shuddering at what I saw. Beck, what's wrong? Julie reached forward and took hold of my arm. It's horrible. My mind was racing to put together what I had seen without breaking apart when the pieces fell into place. I had been witness to a number of terrifying, awful sights in my short life. But this was an atrocity. The bodies outside were a bloody appetizer. Why are you so freaked out? I I don't know, I said, trying to force the words out. It's something to do with the link I have with the worlds. You didn't know this was here? Do you think I'd let this stand? Any of it? What the hell is it? Don't look at it. Don't focus on it, I said, grabbing at her as she climbed over me. You do forget how many people I've killed, Mick. What could be so bad? Her words fell out of her mouth like a lament. Words bound in mourning for the damned. Beyond the tunnel there was a massive chamber. Its ceiling shaped like a dome made of earth and tree roots through which pale light descended. If I had kept my eyes on that, I would have been okay. The bottom of it was where my mind recoiled from. A bowl to match the curve of the dome and a pool in the middle to collect the darkness. But... Along the slope of the bowl were sickening piles of human and bestial bones, easily dozens and dozens of them, spread out over the entire width of the bowl, each strung together with creeper vines and sinew, to form grotesque pictures of devotion and prayer towards the pool. For, in the pool, something writhed and undulated, breaking the surface with shapes formed to darkness and highlighted by lingering light. I pulled Julia down to me and held her. It... Could be worse, she murmured. The incredible sickness of it all. I laughed at the idea of a horror beyond that and gripped her arms. Mick, get off me. I wanted to strangle her. I could feel the tension inside me wanting to be released. Images of Julia's naked body swam across my vision along with other, less pleasant images. Teeth tearing at flesh, tongues lapping at the blood. The ghost of Lyconus, the shepherd I banished from myself, laughed at the pale moon rising in my head. She slapped me across the face, hard. <sighs> Thank you, I whispered, rubbing my jaw. I don't know what's going on here, but I'm being fed something awful. We need to finish this, Mick. It's messing with my head, too. But not as much. For obvious reasons. Whatever this was, it was distorting the world around it, just like we did if we remained here for too long, creating some kind of primal energy that reached out to anyone who had a mind to feel it. I moved into the rim and stood up. Taking out Hearthblade, I leapt down from the rim and buried the blade in one of the bone piles. The energy released from the attack burned the jumble of bones, and I watched with satisfaction as they turned away to ash. As they burned away, the motion from the pool stopped. Show yourself! and get ready to answer for this outrage. The sound of my words echoed in the dimly lit chamber. As they died away, I could feel that something had just perked up and was watching me. I heard Julia slip down, and she seemed to be looking for something. She returned my gaze, and opened and closed her hands a couple of times. I nodded and summoned two machetes from the village. She took them from me, gripping them and hefting them in her hands. Hooray!
The word was barely a whisper, but it echoed around as if it was a scream. The surface of the pool rippled, and something broke it. It was a pale yellow in color, a ruined skull with a jawbone. The teeth were fangs, and my shoulder ached for a second when I looked upon the skull. How could this be? It rose on a spindly patchwork of broken bones dripping with dark ichor, and it turned to regard me as more of its body emerged. Blue lights, like sparks, suddenly flared up in the eye sockets. The darkness was wrapping itself around the bones, making muscles and flesh, but the skull remained bare. This is my world, old prey, mine by conquest. I don't recall fighting you for it, so I think I'll just go ahead and say I don't recognize your claim. The monster, Valkyr, moved to the rim of the pool and crouched there, flexing his claws as he looked upon us. You bring others for me to devour. How kind of you. I saw all of them through the black, your whole pitiful gang. My beasts may be destroyed, but they have fed me well. Funny, it kind of looks like you lost some weight, I said, pointing at his barely covered ribcage. But hey, you know what? You've never looked better. Gods, I could have killed him half a dozen times if you'd stopped talking to him. Tactics. Felker turned sharply towards Julia's voice. I know you. Your face is different, but you smell the same. Look at me, Falkir. I'm the one who's come for you. He focused on me again. I'm going to destroy you for what you've done, as I probably should have done a long time ago. I'll go easy on you if you tell me where Jack is. I forced enough power into my blade to make it flare, fighting the darkness in this tomb. Your power is nothing here, Mick! <laughs> he laughed and flipped backwards into the pool. I cut a swath of energy in the air in front of me, but only served to burn away a few of the bone piles. Shitty time for a reunion anyway. She began to march towards the pool, blades out at her sides. Jules, wait! My warning came too late, and Julia was knocked on her ass by a surge of darkness that swung out like a fist from the pool, but as it followed through, it split into dozens of wispy tendrils. I watched in horror as they reached out for the bone piles. Oh, damn it. I jumped and started smashing all the piles I could within reach, but I could only destroy so many. I leapt back as a black claw that was partially crushed lashed out at me from the last pile I could get to. I ran over and helped Julia up. She picked up her fallen weapons and put her back to mine as a few score of abominations crafted a bone in darkness surrounded us, their misshapen forms gleaming and writhing in the dim light of the chamber. Next time, please stab him first and then banter while he burns, okay? Duly noted, I replied, and thanks for saying next time. There's always a next time, apparently, even when you're dead. Let's not let it come to that. I said as the monsters moved in to take us apart. I reached into my shirt and grabbed at my medallion. Chapter 18 The sound of Casey's guns exploded across the jungle. 
Atop Takum's broad shoulder, she was unloading on the wave of crash with a look of grim determination, not even blinking as her hands moved to reload while her eyes remained fixed on the approaching targets. Henry let loose a couple sizzling shots that went through two or three of the beasts, and a couple got close enough to end upon the spears of Achala's warriors before she was loaded again. The beasts were moving in too fast. It was only a matter of time before they'd have to pull back or be overwhelmed by the tide of claws and teeth. She unleashed on them again, blowing huge holes in their lines. Each shot was a kill, her hands following her eyes mechanically as if it was merely an exercise. In her mind, it was a different story. She fought against the panic and the anger she felt, wishing she'd stay with Flynn, fearing for his safety in the midst of all this oncoming conflict and cursing Mick for being so reckless. What are you thinking, love? What are you doing? What else aren't you telling us? The sight of that bitch Lethia, Julia, or whatever the hell she was calling herself now made her grit her teeth, and she blew one crush into pieces with a trio of rounds that tore it apart. She heard Henry laughing like a madman as chunks of the beast showered the people in front of her. It was a stupid waste. She was going to have to reload that much sooner. She destroyed two more that got close. The power she was absorbing with each kill was building towards an overload. She could feel the balance of her heart shifting, leading towards the merciless Avenger on one end, and tilting back to the calm, healing spirit on the other. Since she had Flynn, she dearly tried to keep her dark side in check, but her concern for her family was bringing out the ugly in her. Her hands flew to her rig to reload her guns. She screamed as one of the crushed sailed past Henry's shot and bounded up towards her. Smack! The wave of force from Takum's headbutt exploded against the creature, sending it flying backwards in a bloody heap into its fellow monsters. Casey dropped a couple rounds from the shaking, but kept on loading. Achella cried out in triumph and impaled one of the beasts through the mouth. A moment later, one of her warriors screamed as two of the crush seized him and dragged him into their ranks. Casey was finished reloading and shot him in the head before the crush could eat him alive. Out of the corner of her eye, she could see Achella glance her way. Casey nodded and dealt more death to the crush. More fell, and yet more came forward to replace those that fell. They needed a breather, and the energy was tearing at her now as the crush withered under her fire. Casey kept on firing with one gun and pulled the cotton out of Dacoom's right ear. She bent down. Throw me down in front of a chill in her guy, sweetie. I need a vent. Dacoom grinned and yelled something to Henry that she didn't catch. Henry nodded and twisted some setting on his gun. An instant later, he tossed the weapon into the midst of the oncoming crush, and it exploded. Pieces of burning crush flew through the air, and the warriors closest to the front shielded their eyes and gave Henry disparaging looks. He merely shrugged and motioned for Casey to go. Takum gave her a lift, and she sailed over everyone to land in front of the onslaught of beasts as it swarmed forward. She screamed and pounded her fist into the earth, sending the accumulated energy out in a wave that conveyed all the really nasty thoughts she was feeling right now. As the beasts closed in for the kill, Casey stood and opened up her arms wide. The strong roots of the mighty jungle trees exploded up from the ground in front of her like driven spikes, their sharp ends impaling the closest monsters and forming a palisaded roost twenty feet high and as wide as the village itself. The other crush crashed into the sun wall, and Casey heard the breaking of bones as they slammed into each other. The palisade swayed for a moment, but it held. Casey nearly collapsed to her knees as the energy drained away from her. She blinked as she knelt down and finally had a good look at what was going on. She staggered back into her hands as Black Icker seethed against the wall from the crash. The beasts were piling up behind it, and Casey saw some of them start to mill about aimlessly and then drop to the ground dead. They had no darkness dripping off of them. 
She was trying to get a better look when Henry Nicella pulled her back from her precarious position in front of the wall and back into the ranks of the warriors. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't going to do anything stupid, she said as they helped her to her feet. Of course not, Henry said. Just bloody terrifying. <laughs> nice work. What are the beasts doing? Takum asked, staring at them. I don't know. Maybe Mick found something and drew its attention. I can't be sure, but that dark stuff is sliding off many of them. Henry stood on his toes and looked down where Casey had been looking before. You think it's somehow controlling them? That's as good a guess as any, Casey. I remember how malleable that stuff is and what it does to living creatures. I think the puppet master is cutting its strings. What should we do? Takum asked, staring at the crest milling around the palisade. Casey grabbed at her medallion. Mick? A moment went by. There was no response. There was something, though. A sound, tinny and distant. A cold laughter echoed back at her along the space between her and her husband. She couldn't take her hands off the medallion. There was darkness in her, too, just as real as the stuff sliding around on the ground. It was in her head. She felt herself being pulled in, and she strained with her mind to pull herself back from the attack. They were so strong in here, she could see a pit of darkness in front of her, and dark forms moving around inside, outlined in blue fire. In the middle of it all, a great shape moved. Huge wings stretched out across the pit, and a pair of eyes moved to look directly into her heart. A huge maw opened below the eyes, beckoning her, welcoming her. What the hell are you? Casey fell back. The force of Henry slapped sufficient to put her on her knees. The medallion was on the ground, crawling with tiny fibers of dark material. Casey reached to pick it up, but was swept back by a wave of force from Takum. A hot red light shot up from above and melted the medallion to slag. There was a slight scream from the darkness as it was vaporized. Casey looked up to see Henry fiddling with a smoking golden ring on his hand. He pulled it off and tossed it into the jungle, shaking his head. He sucked on his scorched digit. Thanks, Henry. It got into the damn medallion. How did it do that? Henry helped her up. What do you mean? It was it was on the medallion, not in it. Henry, I saw what was behind it. Creatures made of the dark and shrouded in some kind of blue flame. I was connected to it somehow. They wouldn't let me reach Mick. There's a psychic component to this stuff too, then. That explains how it's controlling the crush. Casey took Henry's arm. There was something big in there, something at the heart of it all. It reached out to me, and, and for a moment... For a moment what? For a moment, I felt some kind of kinship with it. I think it's a mother, too, but it was also kind of familiar. Ah, uh, whatever it is, it seems to be done with these creatures, hopefully. Casey looked over to where Takuma and Achella were standing at the palisade. Two dozen crush were now slumped against it and were beginning to putrefy before their eyes. Some were still alive, but were drifting about listlessly, seeing nothing and knocking into each other with no reaction. Oh, wow. I think it ate their minds. Casey felt a twinge of panic grip her heart. Takoon, she said, reloading her guns. Put a hold in this thing. Let's get Mick back before this damn monster tries to eat him.
Thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. Keep sharing and subscribing to help me bring the story to you each week. Come back next week for another episode of The Lost Tribe, Darkest Hour.